You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey everyone, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have here in the United States. And this is episode 79, that's like a 69 with 10 fingers up your butt, of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Ken Melvoinberg. And I'm Sunny Megatron, and I may or may not have 10 fingers in my ass right now. Ooh! <laughs> and we are sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, ambassadors of fuck, and kinky pervs. And we're married too, so we you might hear us argue. Or be lovey. Or are why do you go right for the argue? You could have said, I, and I love my husband so much. Who's going right for the argue? <laughs> <laughs> Me. Oh, well, I love you. So there. I love you too. American fuckers, welcome to our second Q&A episode. So this week, Ken and I are dipping into our virtual mailbag to answer your sex questions. We've got questions about lube, BDSM, non-monogamy, erotic humiliation, and a bunch more stuff. And as always, if you've got a question you'd like us to answer on a future episode, go ahead and send us an email at americansexpodcast at gmail.com. And before we dive into that, we want to let you know about a new podcast that is joining our Pleasure Podcast family called Masala Jones. Masala Jones launches on March 10th, and it's the world's first Asian-American scripted podcast. It follows Samar Rajamuli, a med school dropout who decides to pursue his secret dream of becoming a porn star. Along the way, he grapples with issues of race, representation, and prejudice, all while trying to keep his parents' marriage from falling apart. It's a satirical comedy in the vein of insecure, master of none, and fresh off the boat. Masala Jones stars a ton of terrific performers from hit shows like The Walking Dead, Girl Code, Last Comic Standing, Seinfeld, Shameless, NCIS, and a bunch more. Ken and I are super excited about the show. Not only excited about the show, but also excited about the fact that they're joining our Pleasure Podcast Collective. So here is a short trailer for Masala Jones. Hey, my name is Samar, and until a couple weeks ago, I was a pretty ordinary guy. But all that changed when I dropped out of college to try something a little bit different. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh baby. Oh. Becoming the world's first Asian-American male porn star. Most people at least have the decency to star for a couple months before resorting to porn. I knew trying to make it in porn wasn't easy, but... Nobody said it was going to be this hard. Kid, that is easily the sickest shit I've heard all day, and I just came from a set of My Asshole is Your Playground Volume 3. Like I said, my name is Samar, but you can call me Masala Jones. Masala Jones is an original scripted comedy coming soon to Apple Podcasts. Check out at Masala Jones Podcast on Instagram for more information. super excited about this Ken I and I don't know when I read the press release I'm not sure if it's said that they're releasing the whole season at one time so I can binge listen I hope that's the case but if not I will be waiting from week to week to listen to it because it actually sounds really good it is I'm, I'm kind of excited about the character actors that they have in here because they're from all over the place so you've got uh, from adult there's both uh, Aurora Snow and Riley Nixon 
uh, from Veep. We've got Venk Petula from Girl Code, Esther Koo, Timothy Stack from My Name is Earl and Seinfeld, Ravi Kapoor from Crossing Jordan and NCIS, Som Kapila, who's from Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, James Allen McCune from The Walking Dead, Shameless, and The Blair Witch, uh, Christos Vasilopoulos from Banshee uh, and Blind Spot, uh, Amon Igbenson from The Last Ship in Texas Rising, Arnold Chun from Man in the High Castle and Rampage, uh, so it's a really great cast. This yeah. is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. It is a star-studded cast. So American fuckers, take a listen with March 10th and uh, let us know what you think. So, by the way, have you heard what we're doing next week? We are taping a live broadcast of American Sex Podcast next week at South by Southwest. Yay! And if you're going to be there, I want you to join us on Saturday, March 9th at 5 p.m. on the podcast stage. Our guest is the one and only canisexual Ashley Manta. She's going to be telling us how to best use pot to increase intimacy and eroticism. Plus, she'll be answering lots and lots of questions from you our live audience. Hopefully you will be our live audience and you'll actually be in Austin, Texas, because that'd be awesome. I want to meet you and give you some stickers. Okay. So you know how we talk quite a bit in American Sex Podcast about online censorship? Social media has been cracking down and removing people like us that talk about sex in any way, shape, or form. I highly encourage you to get on our mailing list so we don't lose touch in the event of a censorship crackdown. You can sign up for a newsletter with your phone. How easy is that? Just text the word Megatron, M-E-G-A-T-R-O-N, to the number 444-999. You can also visit SunnyMegatron.com slash newsletter. As always, if you miss those links or any other thing that we're going to end up talking about on this episode, no worries. You can find it all in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com. Go ahead and look for episode 79 and all your questions will be answered. So Ken, we've only done one other Q&A episode before. And I honestly, which sounds bad, but I didn't think people were going to like it as much as they did. No, I was but surprised because like, I had a lot of people telling me that it wasn't necessarily that they wanted to hear just like interviews all the time. They actually liked the variety. Yeah. And I mean, this is our job. We're sexuality educators. And sometimes we say good stuff occasionally. <laughs> Every now and then. Every now and then. Um, so, yeah. And I've been getting messages ever since we did that episode like last year. So I don't know, last fall or something. I've been getting lots of messages like, when are you doing again? Here's my question. When are you going to answer? Da, 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 da. So, haha, it's happening right now. And as I was getting Oh, wait. To- I have a great idea. You know what? what? I was reading about this Twitter thread read about unpopular opinions and people wanted to do the sex edition. Now I was just amazed to find out that these people that aren't in our echo chamber that are not like sex therapists or porn stars or people in the sex positive community were actually interested and they actually had some really good stuff to say. Do you want to check it out with me? Yeah. So I do want to check it out with you and conveniently (laughs) we have some of the best tweets right here in our little notes we have in front of us that people don't know we have because everything's supposed to sound spontaneous. Do you ever smell your own BO? Yes. Just like like stick your hand in your Yeah, I like the way my own BO smells. I do too. Yeah. Where how did this happen? I don't know. Let's talk about (laughs) popular opinions about sex. (laughs) (laughs) So okay, I, I like this first one. And there there were like what seven hundred, like almost eight hundred responses so far to this. And I will put the link to this tweet in the show notes. So if you're like, I want to get in on this tweet, go for it. And uh 
So sometimes foreplay is better than sex. I wholeheartedly agree. Yep, I think that that is absolutely true sometimes. Uh, however, though, I don't like the word foreplay. Foreplay is sex. But let's not get technical. <laughs> okay, let's not. Here's another one. Not everyone is loud in bed. If someone is quiet, that's probably just how they are. Listen to body language and don't just assume someone is having fun because they're loud. And that is so true on so many levels. Yeah, I have a secret for you, by the way, before I met you. Have you been faking it this whole time? No, I haven't been faking it. I am loud. Um, like, I'm loud it's now. It's okay if you have. Like, I can be I can be relatively quiet if, if I'm masturbating. I try to be quiet. However... Sometimes I pretend I'm being kidnapped and I have to be quiet, but that's a whole other. <laughs> but at the end, I'm lo- like I'm even loud with myself. I can't help we it. We could arrange it for real kidnapping. I don't want to. F- Some fantasies are better left as fantasies. I don't think I would like to for real, even if it's a for real fantasy arranged consensual kidnapping. I don't think I'd like it because people would touch me the wrong way and it would hurt. And I'd be like, "You're doing it wrong. You're doing it we wrong." We could do like a Mr. Glass sort of abduction no, where we like wrap this, you carefully in Nerf with just enough why, room for you to wiggle around. No, this is why <laughs> I like sexual fantasies because I'm so even if I want to be submissive. I'm so controlling and specific in my fantasies that if they remain fantasies, they'll always be perfect, exactly according to my plan. So anyway, sometimes I pretend I'm being kidnapped. But that's besides the point. Before I met you, Ken, I was a silent fucker. I did not make any noise. What do you mean? Oh, okay. I did not make any noise. Yeah. I don't know. That's so not true now. I think (laughs) because I was like, um, I wasn't comfortable with myself and comfortable being as uninhibited. You know, I was more kind of sexually repressed and unsure of myself and embarrassed, I think. Mm, that yeah. sucks, honey. Well, not anymore. Not That's for you. True. Not for you, for the ones before. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> so here's another one. Missionary is great and could be the best position depending on your partner. I again wholeheartedly agree. And I have to add missionary is awesome when my feet are on your shoulders and I'm Bent up like a weird naked pretzel. I love weird naked pretzels, especially dipped with a little bit of that mustard. The side one's delicious. <laughs> are weird naked pretzels salty? <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Depends on other days, Ben. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What's the next one? This again, I see all of these. I'm like, yes. And I'm I'm amazed that like what we call civilians, you know, just like regular average old people. When I saw this thread, I was like, they're going to say some bullshit in here. There are spot on. And then the p- few people that walked in with their bullshit on this Twitter thread, everyone said I'm straight like that's sex negative. And well, I think a lot of people like, like the and- entire attitude is sort of just making a little bit of shift in the correct direction. Yeah. Yeah. Like so sex isn't as great as everyone makes it out to be. Rather just chill, watch movies, and vibe with each other. And I think to a certain extent... That's a very millennial thing. Yeah, I I think to a certain extent that's true. I mean, not for everybody. Of course, it's not an absolute, but I think we do make this big deal out of sex, and we think sex is always amazing all the time. And sometimes it's like, no, I just want to like hang out and get some Uber Eats and sit around and bullshit, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So next one, frequency of sex is not an indicator of a good sex life. And I mean in either direction. I think that's very true. Absolutely. There is no like, I have sex 2.7 times a week. Is that normal? You know what? If you're happy with it and your partner is happy with it, it's normal. Chill out. All right. So, ah, oh, this one. Oh, 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 oh,
If, oh. if I I need to tattoo this, I need to make t-shirts, I need to... Okay. Moaning doesn't mean speed up or go harder. It means keep doing what you're doing. At the same speed, at the same yeah. rate. Like, Don't okay, change. again, there aren't absolutes for... Maybe for some people it does mean go faster. But I have noticed when you're fucking someone, you start to really get into it and you start to moan, your hips start going, like, you know, you really get in and they go faster. And it's like... Did I fucking t- no? I'm the one going faster. You keep doing this thing. It feels good because you're doing the thing. Don't stop doing the thing when I give you acknowledgement that the thing you're doing is good. Like yes, yes, okay. Church. Oh, so this church of this the clearest one, right here. Like I have issue with. I dislike the idea of receiving oral and prefer giving. Now while that's okay, hell no on both for me. For you, however, that, that but I'm not everybody. Exactly, and and. I think there I like are giving and receiving equally. There are a lot of people that end up feeling shamed if they're like, I don't want you to go down on me. That's not my thing. And they get partners like, come on, come on. Oh, you just have met somebody who did it right. Oh, wait till you until I do it to you. You're gonna like it. You know what? Some people don't like shit and it's fine. And people know what they like and what they don't like and leave them alone. There you go. I'm you so go. I'm sassy and salty today, Ken. Yeah, you are. I fucking leave people alone. Let them dislike oral sex if they want to. This next one, it is funny when a girl says she's good after, but her legs are shaking so much she can't walk straight. Again, these people in that Twitter thread set this person straight. They the response, one of the many responses. That doesn't always mean that shit was good. Sometimes y'all men bending us all type of ways and we are out of shape. (laughs) Shaky legs, I agree, are sometimes a sign of amazing earth shattering sex where every ounce of moisture in my body has been depleted. And sometimes I am huffing and puffing trying not to have a heart attack. Or your hip might be hurt. Yeah, or I'm, I'm like trying not to have a cramp or some shit. Yeah, so like nine out of ten times, it's a Charlie horse. Mm-hmm, totally. Uh, and this last one, which is so true, and I think embodies like our teaching philosophy, our sex philosophy, and everything that we do, is if you can't laugh about sometimes having bad sex with your partner, you're putting too much weight on it in the relationship. Hell to the yes, amen, yeah. Because sometimes sex isn't that good. Sometimes sex is great until you fucking fall off the bed and bang your head on the wall. Sometimes it's good until you get something stuck up your ass and you can't get it out without a base, without a trace. Make sure everything has a flared base. But sometimes you just got to laugh at it. It's not always the dreamy, amazing experience that people make out that it's supposed to be every time. And that's okay. All right. So let's get into some of these other questions. What do you think? All right. I think that was a good primer. My my whistle is wet. My sass is syrupy. I don't know. So this the uh, the first question I have is, I'm relatively new to the BDSM community, and I just started playing with someone that is very much into humiliation. We're into so many other similar things like bondage and spanking, more the physical kinks. I haven't really gone into the psychological BDSM territory, though, and to be honest, I'm willing to try new things. Humiliation doesn't sound that appealing. It feels mean and degrading. How can I give humiliation play a fair shot if I'm not sure how to do it in a way where it doesn't feel gross? 
Humiliation is something that Ken and I hold very near and dear to our hearts and our genitals. And we teach classes about it and intensives about it. And it's something that we find in the kink world that is, I wouldn't say the most understood, but it's in that bucket of really misunderstood things. And that really lies at the crux for a lot of people as to why they think Oh, humiliation's not for me. It's too mean. I don't I don't want to go there. It makes me feel bad and it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So, it was interesting how some of this came up. Um, uh, Sunny and I have a system that some of you have heard before called our rough BS system. And um, what it stands for is how much on a scale of one to 10 do you like these things? So how much on a scale of one to 10 do you like to be restrained? How much do you like to be owned by another person? How much do you like to be used by another person or people? How much you like to be given away to others? And then we would get to the H for humiliation and how much do you like to be humiliated? And oftentimes people would give it a very, very bad score because they didn't have a full understanding of what it was about. And that was sort of the the genesis to what we have come up with for our intensive. Mm-hmm. And then we started to research it. And one of the things that Sonny found was that um, unlike other disciplines, you have to go outside. You can't really go to Humiliation University, although you can go to Kink Academy. Just throwing that out there. They have excellent classes on humiliation, I've heard. Go ahead. Oh, and he's saying that because we actually released a humiliation series on Kink Academy. If you go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, Kink Academy Humiliation, you can take our humiliation course. But right now you're going to get a really short crash course in humiliation. Um, Not just the question asker, but all of you American fuckers. So as I was saying, we sort of had to start looking into other disciplines and Sonny found in that in the field of psychology, there's a lot about play there. Do you want to talk about that for a second, sweetheart? Yeah, I think it's really important with any kind of BDSM to, you know, we get so worked up like, oh, this got to be so serious. And, and really what we're doing is we are playing. This is a leisure activity. It's fun. Um, and when it comes to humiliation, you know, we have that that extra humiliation is going to be horrible. I'm going to be called all of the things that really hurt me and make me cry. And it's like, no, it's it's not like that at all. We can make it fun. We can make it therapeutic. We actually call our humiliation series hilarious humiliation. So when we look at play and what it is, and we actually look at the neuroscience of play, things we know. We know that, let's say, little kitten, they're, yeah, little kittens, when they're playing, they play with their mom's tail because the tail is emulating a mouse that they're going to, you know, learn how to hunt or whatever. That's fine. But, and we know that. But as adults, we still need play for lots of reasons. It's not only a leisure activity, but it helps us try on different parts of ourselves. That freedom and improvisation that we have helps us grow as people, helps us try on different roles. I know things that I've done in BDSM has have helped me become a better business person and to be more assertive in my daily life. So some of the things that play involves anticipation, surprise, pleasure, understanding, strength, using your strength, whether it's physical or mental. Um, you can use, you know, have poise and grace. You're content. You can be composed and actually 
capture a sense of balance in your own life when you're having good, successful play sessions. And that's really important to remember when you're engaging in humiliation. So to sort of bring it around to answer our listener's question on that, um, you can take the stuff that you learn about the elements of play, either from this podcast or from taking our class from Kink Academy, and then you can apply it to all different sorts of fun role-playing and do things like forced burlesque, where you put on a funny mask and maybe you sing like a Disney song, or you're uh, forced to get over a phobia or a philia of some sort. Uh, something that you have like some sort of a major issue with as a kind of immersion therapy. Uh, you can make it sexy. You can make it like a game. You can make it like a live action role playing game. There's a lot of elements that you can put in there that don't make it gross where somebody is calling you names that you don't want to hear. And, and it's also important to realize that humiliation is on a spectrum. So on the one end of the spectrum that most people are most afraid of, that's hardcore degradation. And a lot of people in kink say like, well, I'm into degradation. But if you really look at the actual definition of degradation, it's pretty, I don't know, damaging, life-changing, awful. Oh, it is. It's the, the, the most basic example of it is like when somebody of the military... Uh, loses rank because they they fucked up and did something wrong. They have loss of actual rank. They have stripes removed from their uniform. There is a humiliation factor. There is less money that they're bringing home. There's a whole lot of factors to it, and it's and it is completely something that has degraded them to a lower level where they feel like they're they're almost psychologically damaged when you get to this point. Now, extreme humiliation can be fun, but degradation is never something that is should be taken lightly or should be used in S&M play. Like the th- stuff that I've seen most people call degradation play is actually extreme humiliation. It's the same thing, it's just we call it a different word. So, when we are at the other end of the spectrum, the humiliation spectrum, we're looking at things like lighter, you know, embarrassment, things that make you red in the face. And when we're talking about humiliation play, especially people who are new to humiliation play, like the person who sent in this question, that's where we want to play. And we also have to remember that humiliation is really, really subjective. Something that may be a mild embarrassment to me might be, you know, going into degradation, extreme humiliation territory to you and be a more negative emotion. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm a submissive. I know we're pretending because I'm not. But let's say I'm a submissive and Ken is my dominant. And we go to a dungeon party together. And he says, I want you to wear a cute little pair of thong panties. And I want you to go into the kitchen and parade around and do a little dance and shake your ass for everybody. Now, I could find that like, yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. And it takes a little courage. And it does make me red in the face. But in another way, it's kind of hot that, you know, people may be looking at me that way, or that I'm being, quote, forced to do something I'm mildly uncomfortable with. But of course, it's consensual, because, you know, we've, we've negotiated this kind of thing ahead of time, and I can always say for it out and say no. Um, that might be something that we'd like to play with. However, on the flip side, Maybe for whatever reason, I'm like, no, that is the worst thing ever. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I have body issues. And I'm like, that's going to make me feel awful about myself. I don't want to do it. So it might be too much for me. So when you're negotiating humiliation with someone, you just don't go, 
hey, let's do a humiliation scene. And you're like, yeah, you stupid pig, because that may be the worst thing you could call that person. When you negotiate, you actually have to talk to that person about, okay, these are the words that kind of make me feel hot. And these are the words that you will never call me or I'll fucking punch you in the face and it's going to ruin our scene. And, you know, do the same thing with physical things. Like you can make me do X, Y, and Z. But if I do A, B, and C, it's, it's going to go to a bad place. You know, or uh, Midori has actually suggested uh, something like amongst her many excellent suggestions. One of the best I heard her talking about was when you're sort of creating a scenario, getting an idea from a movie that you like and get the sexiest part of that movie and then just keep analyzing, well, what makes it sexy? What would we do if we were role playing that particular scene and utilize something like that where you're you have a beginning, middle and end. You sort of have a theme that. Uh, overarches everything. And furthermore, you're not doing this as pickup play, which you never want to do with any sort of humiliation. You never want to do this as pickup play. Uh, you really need to know the person. And at the very least, uh, like one of the things Sonny and I suggest all the time uh, for any kind of sexy fun is to do a yes, no, maybe list. It's kind of even more important with something like this so that you can do a yes, no, maybe list. But instead of like, yes, no, maybe would you do a rim job? Yes, no, maybe do you have PTSD? Is there an issue where, uh, you know, maybe one of the people had been uh, sexually assaulted in the past and one particular thing reminds them of the sexual assault. So you need to get that out of the open. You need to talk about that. Too much information is always a good thing when it comes to humiliation play. And also listeners and question asker, I will have the links to our yes, no, maybe list to our rough BS system that we use for scene negotiation and our humiliation series that we did with Kink Academy all in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com. Next question. Ken, you want to read it? Hi, Sonny and Ken. My husband and I are in an open marriage, and he recently had an experience that was new to both of us. I had one partner outside of our marriage, and my husband is finally reaching out to meet people. He had been chatting with a woman on Facebook, and they eventually planned to meet for drinks. The day they were to meet, he messaged her to confirm the time, and she never responded. So he came home with a bruised ego instead of going out to meet her. My guess is that she got cold feet about going out with a married man. We live in West Virginia, so there aren't too many progressive-minded people around. Uh, neither of us had been ghosted since we had been a couple, so I did what he asked me to do, just let him be alone for the evening watching TV. The next day, we talked more about it, but I was wondering if either of you have ever ex had an experience where you've been ghosted. If so, how do you deal with it as a couple if not, do you have any advice about how to be a good partner if it happens again? Thanks for any help. I love the podcast and am a proud American fucker. So I would say I've probably been ghosted more than you because I'm the one who tends to reach out to people and like I, I'm a little more bit more. Than I, I, do. I date yeah. more than you do, and it's been happening more and more recently lately. Where you know I will get ghosted on somebody, and I just sort of take it in stride and just assume that there was something about me that you know just you know, my jam wasn't theirs and just sort of leave it at that. I don't know what else you can really do with something like that. But um, it, you know what? It always bruises your ego a little bit. And uh, I think that sort of reflecting on it in the way that you need to with me, I just like to, you know, I'll smoke a bowl and play video games. And that's how, if I'm feeling really rejected or I'm feeling sad about myself, that sort of helps me because I, you know, sort of reflect on all the issues that are going on while I'm doing the video game. And that's just, it's my way of processing what went on. So I'm not just playing the video game a lot of times, although it looks like it. 
I will be doing the video game, but I'll also be thinking about some of those bad thoughts or even just stray thoughts about relationship stuff. It's just my way of processing the negativity that I was dealing with. Yeah, and I think that it is human nature, one, to want closure and to want to know why. And it's also human nature to think if something went wrong, it's because of me. What did I do? What it? And in these situations, and I... I, I want to say, I haven't had much ghosting either way, but I've actually ghosted people. And sometimes I think it's shitty to ghost people. And sometimes I don't. I think it's all situational. But for instance, it could be like Ken said, you weren't vibing with each other. It could be that you reminded them of a past person they dated who was abusive and they were just like not feeling it. That's not your fault. You know what I mean? No, nor, um, nor would I ever take it that way. Exactly. It's just, you know, it's just the, the majority of the time that happens. I just think that we get to know each other a little bit better and we weren't as enamored as we thought we initially were. It's just like we might be really good friends, but lovers just isn't the right jam for that individual. Right. And it's, it's unnerving to be ghosted, but I would say just, you know, be there for your partner. listen, if they want to be left alone, cool. If they want some support, cool. Listen to what they need. If they want you to troubleshoot and try to, you know, quote, solve the problem or figure out why, go ahead and do it. If they want you to just not talk about it and just be there and give them a hug and be like, I love you. I know you feel shitty. Do it. Um. So yeah, I hope that helps. And I'm sorry you got ghosted. But you know what? It's not you. It's them. Whatever the reason. You don't have closure, but it's them. Next question. I'm lying in bed watching your show, really realizing again that my sex life sucks. I used to have a very high sex drive that had almost disappeared. I met my husband three years ago, and I love him so much, but we only have sex one or two times a month. I've learned to deal with this, but it has left me feeling sexually frustrated. My husband has suffered erectile dysfunction, and I never want him to feel like he's not making me happy. I've discussed my needs more than a few times, and as it seems to get a bit better, it's only for a short period. I no longer feel sexy or desired. Even if I come to bed butt naked, he doesn't even touch me. I do not ever desire to cheat, but I need help. I've come to the realization that he just might not enjoy sex like I do, but what do I do? Yes, I have a toy, but it's not the same. Sonny, I've gained weight and I'm afraid of losing it because it might cause my sex drive to increase again, plus unwanted attention outside my marriage that could cause temptation. Even if you don't respond, it was good to just put out how I feel. As a Christian family, it's hard to express my needs and take care of them. Going from having daily sex in bad relationships to being in an extraordinary relationship with no sex is hard. Thanks for reading and your time. I think this came up in, in our Twitter thread, you know, how much sex is enough sex and what you and your partner are mutually comfortable with is enough. And it sounds like that's the issue that you have very different sex drives and different needs when it comes to frequency. And again, that's not uncommon at all. When we talk to a lot of other educators and coaches and therapists, they say that's their one of their top issues, if not the number one issue, people coming to help with mismatched sex drives. And it very well could be like you said, you know, you have a great relationship. It could just be that his sex drive isn't as high as yours. And then comes the question, how the hell do you fix it? And in your question there, I know you said that it's, um, you alluded to that it's hard to talk about and 
but that's where you got to start. You have to talk about it. And it can be really uncomfortable and it can bring up all sorts of feelings. You know, like you were saying, is it me? Do I, I, you know, I feel like I'm not desirable. Odds are it's not you, you know, it's, it's something within them. But unless you open up that conversation, it's going to be hard to solve it. I highly suggest if it is difficult to get that conversation going, seek out a sex coach, seek out a sex therapist. I know you said you're your Christian household. There are plenty of sex therapists. I know um, Dr. Leslie Gustafson, she specializes in seeing people who are of the Christian faith. So that might be something that you're more comfortable with. So, you know. So one of the things is that if you're feeling a mismatch, addressing it sooner is better than doing it later, especially if you're in a relationship with a cis male who's only getting older because the older that we get, the less testosterone we produce, the less sex drive we have. And that is something that can sort of feed on it. And if it gets into a cycle where there is depression that couples the ED, those things kind of feed on itself. And talking about it is literally the only thing that can solve it. So just getting him accustomed to talking to you first, and then maybe, as Sonny suggested, a therapist second, Mm -hmm. that's a really, really good idea just to get that practice of talking about the issue because ignoring it is not going to make it go away. It's the giant elephant that's in the room that you're both ignoring and not talking about it isn't solving anything. And, you know, there are plenty of ways to compromise that don't involve like, I'm going to go out and get another partner. It just takes a little bit of creativity and talking about what each of your needs are, which each of your boundaries are, which each of your limitations are to figure out ways to compromise. It could be, you know, maybe there's something that he finds sexy that maybe isn't necessarily the act of sex. Like you could, you could masturbate for him or, or maybe he's a fetishist and he just hasn't mentioned it to you, which happens a lot. He could be wanting you to wear like stinky, sweaty gym socks and shove them in his nose and he'll get hard as a rock just instantaneously. Like it could be something along those lines where he just has a fetish. Maybe he's embarrassed about it, or maybe it's something that he's reluctant to talk about. Uh, but uh, just opening that door may be the key to solving this. Yeah. But communication is the the whole crux behind the thing. And I think also just knowing and accepting on both of your parts that it doesn't take a hard penis to have a successful sexy time date. You know, you can do lots of other things. You can do lots of things that still feel amazing for both of you. And erectile dysfunction doesn't have to put a damper on that. And at the very least, you can pee on his cock and slap him in the face, or that's what I would want. (laughs) It's tax season. You might be jumping with joy at the prospect of getting a big fat refund. Or if you have a home business, good chance you're sweating bullets. And that goes double for folks in the adult industry. Cam performers, phone sex operators, pro doms, clip creators, adult website owners, full service sex workers, burlesque dancers, and even sex bloggers, coaches, and educators. I know the questions floating through your head. Can I write off pasties as a business expense? Wait, is my camming area considered a home office? I make feeder videos, so is the food I eat deductible? And if so, is it a business meal or office supplies? It's hard enough figuring all that out, right? Much less finding an accountant that won't, one, clutch their pearls when you tell them what you do, and two, know sex work well enough to save you the most money. The folks at X-Tax Pros specialize in adult industry clients. They know the ins and outs of sex work from Uncle Sam's perspective, and that's exactly what you need. And they don't just focus on sex work either. 
ex-tax pros really knows how to think outside the box to save you cash. So no matter what business you're in and no matter what state you're in, they've got your back. In fact, X-Tax Pros is the only full-service tax, bookkeeping, payroll, tax strategy, and asset protection firm specializing in adult clients. Head on over to xtaxpros.com or call 702-253-7499 and tell them Ken and Sonny sent you. Hey, psst, did you know American Sex Podcast has a Patreon page? Becoming a Patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for national public radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. So you thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American Sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American sex. Good evening, woman. (laughs) I listened to the Joan Price podcast today, and as a 48-year-old, I learned a lot. I am especially intrigued by the cannabis lube that was discussed. My mind often seems to get in the way of my orgasms with my boyfriend. What are your recommendations and why? Okay. So I'm going back in my mind to the Joan Price episode, which I'll put the link in the show notes if y'all want to listen to it. It was amazing. I love her. Uh, I think we talked about Foria, the cannabis lube Foria. I know there are other brands like Mistress Matisse's Velvet Touch, I think is one. I haven't tried it. Um, And if you live in a state with legal cannabis, very likely there's going to be a cannabis lube that will be available to you that may be in a brand that we are unaware of at this point. And by the way, cannabis lube companies, please reach out to us because we are have an audience that is hurting for this information. And if you get it to us, then we can give it to them. Mm -hmm. So we have used uh, Foria. And between the both of us, we had mixed results. Like I, I'm weird when it comes to any kind of uh, cannabis. My body reacts differently than the typical body. So, I mean, it was okay. It wasn't magic, you know. I was like, I, I think I heard so it much was sorcery. Co- you lie. It was for sorcery. you. It was sorcery. <laughs> so tell your experience with it. Okay, so I like having stuff in my butt, uh, but. Uh, my sphincter is a little bit small, so it's hard for me to relax or to get something that fits just right. Cause it's like an extra or it's like a medium minus or a, you know, a small plus so like somewhere in, in, in those ranges. And for years I tried all different sorts of stuff ranging from lubricant to prostate toys to, uh, anal toys, like you name it, fingers, like whatever I could stuff in there, I probably tried at one point or another. Uh, but the first thing that actually made it comfortable was foria, like a cannabis lube actually relaxed it enough where it wasn't like there was a localized high. My muscles just relaxed enough so that I could enjoy anal without being completely stressed. So, I mean, maybe it's a psychological thing with me. Maybe it's a physical thing, but either way, the foria helped relax my muscles and it was just incredible. And I think it is a physical 
whole thing because I've heard from a lot of people, especially people that suffer that have from had their fingers up my butt. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's been a lot of people, but no, that's not what I mean. Uh, people who suffer from vaginismus, which is painful sex, oh, yeah. painful vaginal sex, that it really does help relax the area. Um, so it could be something you could try. Another thing you can try is I'm going to put a link in the show notes to our previous episode with Ashley Manta, and in a few weeks. Listen for our South by Southwest episode that we do with Ashley Manta. She is the canisexual and she talks all about how to mindfully consume cannabis and all sorts of different delivery methods, whether it's cannabis lube, whether it's smoking it, whether it's all sorts of Edibles. different ways, yeah, to enhance your sex life. So that could be a possibility too. But either way, you don't want to be like the reporter from Vice who just decided to drink a bottle of the cannabis lube. If you want to consume cannabis, do it safely and in about a five milligram increment. You don't need to swallow a whole bottle of Foria. Yeah, yeah. She tripped balls for a week, oh, by it the was, way. It was, it's a funny article. If I it can find funny. it, I'll put it in the show notes too. Okay, so next question. Sorry to bother you. Hey, you're not bothering me. It's cool. Uh, but I've been a fan since watching Sex with Sunny Megatron on Showtime. I have a question for you, and I hear you talk all the time on American Sex Podcast about different lubes. That's what my question's about. My very best friend is coming out of the other end of breast cancer and subsequent chemo and radiation. Her cancer was estrogen-based, so they gave her meds to throw her into menopause. It's been about a year, and we recently were talking about sex, and she admitted that she hasn't had intercourse with her super amazing husband in about a year. When I asked why, she said it hurts her vagina. After some discussing, it sounds like it's from menopause and her vaginal walls slash skin is super thin and dry. I suggested lube and she said she's tried three different kinds. After assuring her that the three drugstore brands were shit and wouldn't help with what she's needing, I said that I'd find out what good super rich lube would be good for her situation. So I thought you were a good first stop to ask. Thanks in advance. By the way, love the podcast. Thanks again. Okay, so there's all sorts of different possibilities here. But yeah, you saying, you know, stay away from the drugstore lube and look further is your first bet. So good advice there. So all right, here's what happens when you are reaching menopause, whether it's, you know, uh, medically induced menopause, or it just came on its own, all sorts of stuff happens, our genital tissues get thin, because of the reduction in estrogen. So yeah, this can make us more uncomfortable during sex and actually make it painful. We need something to make us wetter to give us that cushion. So we can have sex that feels good. Even if you're dry from menopause, just touching the outside, touching the vulva or the clitoris could be uncomfortable because our body doesn't produce as much lubrication and our vaginal walls are much thinner. So it's important to know the different types of lubes. There's water-based lube, there's silicone lube, there is a hybrid that's kind of a cross between those two, and there's oil-based lube. And what works for you could, you know, it's different for everyone. So experiment- Oh, Sonny, can I add something here yeah. from a medical perspective? Yeah. So the 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 person that had the issue was not just uh, had a medically induced um, menopause, but she also had cancer, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that means that she's either having chemo or radiation therapy. And the side effects of that, depending on which medicine that they're using, can make it so that water-based lube would be almost impossible to use. You may want to stick with either any of the oils that Sonny's going to suggest, or the especially the silicone-based lubes. Mm -hmm. So if, if water-based lube may work in someone's situation, you want to look for 
purer lubes. So stay away from lubes that have glycerin and parabens. Um, also things like propylene glycol, uh, mineral oil, petroleum jelly. You want to stay away from all and of snake those. snake oil. Stay away yes, from snake no oil. No snake oil. No, not at all. Um, and you're going to want to look for a bit of a thicker lube. Sliquid Sassy is a good thick, almost jelly-like water-based lube, as is Wicked Sensual Care's Jelly Water-Based Anal Lube. Even though it says it's anal lube, you can use it anywhere you want. It's not not just for your butt. When it comes to silicone lubes, they have a, a longer staying power for sex. And you want to buy a good silicone lube. Some of my favorites are Uber Lube, Wicked Ultra, um, I say stay away from drugstore brands, except I have one exception, Astroglide, not water-based. Don't use Astroglide water-based, but Astroglide uh, silicone lube no, that they have at the good. drugstore it's is actually good. really good. Um, so that is the look for one. That, you have to look for that silicone lube. And the key to any silicone lube, the fewer ingredients it has, the better off it is. It should have two or three ingredients at most. Yeah. Um, and then there, there are oils. So a lot of people like using coconut oil. And for most people... Coconut oil is absolutely fine. However, there was a recent study that came out, um, and I want to say the study was done on mucous membranes, meaning the mouth, and they're kind of like extrapolating and translating what this could mean for the vagina. Um, but a coconut oil has widely been called by sex educators. It's an antifungal. If you're prone to yeast infections, you know, it, it should do you good and da 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 da. This latest study that came out kind of said, mm, not necessarily for everyone. For some people, it could actually like other oils, like don't just go use any oil down there. Um, like other oils could give you issues. But as I say, for everyone with lubes, all of our bodies are different. Like I could use a water-based lube that is fine for me and you could use it and it can make you itchy and weird even if it has pure ingredients. So you got to kind of experiment around. Uh, one other thing is there are some lubes and now I have not used these personally. I'm not as far into menopause as you are. Um, there are some lubes specifically made for menopause that have very low doses of hormones. Again, I haven't used these, so I can't endorse one particular brand over another. Um, but one is Ostoderm. If you go Google that, you can you know see what that lube is and then get a bunch of different ones. But again, you want to watch out with these lubes that they don't have alcohol, that they don't have parabens, that they don't have glycerin, and uh, do a little bit of your research in the ingredient department. Also, uh, Joan Price is awesome. Uh, so, and we talked about her in the last question. I will put a link to our episode with Joan Price. She wrote the book Naked at Our Age, and she has a great blog. She is 72, four, something, 70 something. So she knows all about this as well, and she's got some good information on it too. And she's teaming up with our friend Jessica Drake, and they're doing a special project together. Yeah, so they're doing um, the Wicked Guides to, you know, different kinds of sex. They're doing a Wicked Guide to, I don't know if they're calling it sex and aging or older sex or something, um, but they are casting and filming that right now, and I'm super excited to see it. Okay, next question. I know lube is supposed to make sex better, and it does, until it gets sticky and dries up. Do you have any recommendations for lube that is long-lasting? I've tried a few, and they all dry up. 
Absolutely. And I cannot be a proponent for silicone lube enough. And I know we've talked about it a few times, but silicone is the only lube on the market that is completely hypoallergenic. You cannot be allergic to it. Of course, you can have a sensitivity to it because anybody can have a sensitivity to just about anything. But the incident rates of sensitivity to silicone are very, very low. The other thing is that it's vegan. It is completely inorganic because it's pure silicone and it's causing less problems with things like uh, anything ranging from yeast infection to, you know, having a penile infection of some sort. Uh, and it is very long lasting because it's silicone. So that means the viscosity is much, much higher and you barely need to rewet it. It's also great for anal. It's great for vaginal. It's great for everything. Uh, it doesn't taste the best, but like not many lubes do taste great, to be honest. Yeah. When, when you said, oh, my lube is drying up, that's a telltale sign that I know you're using water-based, water-based lube. lube. So a couple of things. If you're like, no, 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 I really like my water-based lube for one reason or another. Um, and for some people, it's because they use silicone toys. And oftentimes you hear you can't use silicone lube with silicone toys, which there's been a caveat on that. That's kind of old information. While that is still sometimes true, and if you mix silicone lube with a silicone toy, your mileage may vary, meaning they could have a reaction. So do a little spot test and see. Um, there is a good chance that if you have a good pure silicone toy and a good pure silicone lube, good, good, good chance you'll be fine. But again, I cannot guarantee it. But if you're like, for whatever reason, I want to use water-based lube, this is why they dry up. So water-based lube is called water-based lube because a main ingredient is water, right? And water evaporates. That's just natural. And what it's science, right? It's science. So when you're using your lube, and you're rubbing and you're doing all the friction, it's drying up quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. And that's what happens when your lube starts to feel gummy and sticky. And your first reaction is to grab the bottle of water-based lube and add more. So here's what you're doing. You now have lube all over your bits that has the water out of it. So you have all the other stuff that's turned into this goopy mess. And then you put more lube and then you rub and rub and rub and the water evaporates out. And now you have more of the stuff that's left over in the goopy mess. Do not add more water-based lube, when it starts to dry up, add water. Have a bottle of water next to your bed. Replace the water that dried up from your lube. Again, it's not going to keep it from getting sticky, but it's going to keep it from you keep adding and adding and adding more lube. And then you have this buildup of gross. So that may very well help you. But like Ken said, I freaking love, love silicone lube. And I use it with all my silicone toys and knock on wood. And I have a lot. Knock on wood. Knock on silicone dildo. I've, I've been good so far. I haven't, haven't ruined a toy yet. So, Do you want to hear my secret sex educator shame? Are you going to shame a sex educator? Or do no, you have myself. shame as a, okay, as okay. a sex educator? What? Half the time I jack off, I just use regular old lotion. Sex educator secrets, things we advocate for other people, but we don't end up doing first. Really? Yeah, for real. Well, we have to say. First of all, I'm circumcised. Yeah, I was going to say, you have to say, you're not uncircumcised. (laughs) And now I live in Las Vegas. So you you get dry dick? Is that a thing? Are we going to get dry dry balls? Yeah, so I've been jacking off with Lou. Are you serious? You're getting dry balls? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I did not know this this could even happen. Well, yeah, any part of your skin can get dry. I just never thought. 
Wow. My balls are on the outside of my Now body. I'm like, is my labia dry? <laughs> have you checked it? <laughs> I, I, I have not. <laughs> I don't know. It's a whole nother, whole nother thing. So Yeah, I, I feel kind of like a, a fraud for that because I'm like, do as I say, not as I do. But yeah, if there's like a bottle of like hemp lotion nearby, I'm. I'm using that. I'm okay, using that. I'll, I'll or admit. Or CBD lotion. That's I'll what admit. I've been into the CBD lotion. <gasps> the CBD lotion for arthritis you've been using on your dick? No, I use it on my dick first. Does it work? Yeah. What does it do? It makes my orgasm better. Really? Mm-hmm. <gasps> now I'm like, intense. what's in it? Is it vulva friendly? Probably not. I'll probably it's get oil. an infection if I... Yeah. Oh, fuck. God damn it. Okay. I... And by the way, I didn't put my dick in the jar, just my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Dipping your dick in the jar of lotion. I didn't think you did, but uh Oh, that would be a great jar shape if they had it so that you could dip your dick just right little that'd be awesome. That would be awesome, but then you but then it would grow bacteria and then eventually you'd get an infection. Yeah. Huh. Okay. We gotta come up with some kind of patent. Anyway. Anyway. All right. One last questions. Any tips on BDSM? I'd love to have a long talk about it so I can prepare for my girlfriend. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say no. I can. I just did. No. Okay. We're not going to say no. But what I am going to say no to is that this isn't a quick. Kinkacademy.com. I'm sorry. What? Yes. (laughs) Kinkacademy.com. Absolutely. Is a great place to go if you want to learn about BDSM. But we're going to give you just like the quick little BDSM kind of primer drive-by. So you heard when we were talking to our humiliation person how it's really important to reframe BDSM as play. Like, don't take yourself too seriously. If you fuck up, it's okay. Like, I mean, depending on how you fuck up. But, you know, if you accidentally, you know, flog your own self in the face when you're trying to be sexy, like, don't be mortified. It's not going to ruin your scene. Laugh it off sort of thing. So BDSM, the, the long and short of it. So the acronym BDSM, it actually stands for six things. It stands for bondage. Booty, derriere, shit, and... Muskrats. Muskrats. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It does not stand for that. It stands now for I, six now things. Now I want to know what that song Muskrat Love is Yeah, about. it stands for six <laughs> things that are much sexier than muskrats. Uh, bondage <laughs> and discipline, domination and submission, and sadomasochism. So basically, that's an umbrella term for all the things that could be BDSM. But in order to be somebody who is into BDSM, you absolutely don't have to like every letter of the acronym. You can just be into the B. Like, I I just dig bondage and that's it. Get your sadomasochism shit and walk out that door and I never want to see you again. Uh, So, and that's fine. You're still considered a kinkster. And most of us do BDSM or have done BDSM without realizing it. Little slap on the ass. Maybe your partner took a bandana and tied your hands on your anniversary because you wanted to have some like fun, different sex. You were practicing BDSM and you didn't even know it. And the cool thing about BDSM is to think about it first and foremost, not as a physical act, not as a a physical fuck, but it is the mind fuck. It's what you do upstairs and how you manipulate your brain that really makes it fun and sexy. And some people don't even choose to put physical components with it. Like, for example, humiliation. You can do it all all psychological and not put a sexy part to it. Um, Or you can choose to add a physical and a sex component to it. 
So I want you, everything you you learned about BDSM, all of that 50 shades of gray bullshit, all of that like, yes, master, to get it out of your freaking head and listen to this analogy because this is what BDSM is. Think of BDSM as a roller coaster ride. It's not a physical roller coaster ride, but it's a mental roller coaster ride. And let's say, let's pretend you're the dominant, right? And you are going to build a roller coaster, a mental roller coaster for your submissive, who is the roller coaster rider. In order to do that, you first need to sit down with them so you can write down your specs and figure out what kind of roller coaster you're going to build. So you sit down, and you're like, okay, roller coaster rider. Do you like twists and turns? Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you like, uh, you know, loop de loops? Cool. All right. I'll put that. Oh, you don't like dark tunnels. All right. X that out. Won't put any dark tunnels in there. And you go through all of the possible specs and you figure out what they like. Then as the engineer of this mental sexy roller coaster, it is your job to build the roller coaster in a way where it feels like it is a surprise to your submissive. So you're going to include the corkscrew turns and the loop-de-loops and none of the dark tunnels because they don't like that, but you're going to arrange it in an order where it feels thrilling and exciting. So even though this is a very controlled ride, a very planned ride that you know is going to end fine and you know you're, please roll into the station and now you can take off your seatbelts and everyone's cool. To them, you want them to feel like they might be on a runaway car and they don't know what's coming next. So that is BDSM. Um, If you frame it in that regard, it puts a whole new spin on things and then add that play perspective into it. So I'm I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty, but before you play, especially if this is new with your girlfriend, you got to make sure you're on the same page with each other. So we have a link to that yes, no, maybe list in our show notes. You go through all of the, the kinky acts to see if you know you like similar things and you're on the same page. Um, then I highly suggest if you're doing techniques, let's say you're learning how to spank her or she's learning how to spank you or you're using floggers or a violet wand or whatever or she's it is. peeing on your dick and then slapping you in the face. Right, which, you know, don't know where that came from. From Ken. Yeah, he likes that. Um, I suggest practicing first. So like go in the living room, pop up a couple bowls of popcorn, put on your your sweatpants, don't plan to do anything sexy. And then, you know, just be like, okay, it's my turn to be the spanky and you be the spanker. And then you start hitting your partner and you're, okay, how does that feel? What about here? How hard is that? On a scale from one to 10, how painful is that to you? You know, where's your threshold? So not only are you learning the technique, you're learning what how your partner's body responds. You're doing it in a very uh, non-threatening environment where you're not under pressure to be sexy. And you should switch roles. Even if you're like, I'm the dominant, I'm always the dominant, switch roles. Let, let your partner know what it feels like to be the one wielding the flogger or whatever it is. And so you know what it's like to be the one under the flogger. When you do all that research and development stuff ahead of time, when you finally decide to sit down in the bedroom and put on the sexy outfit and really commit to whatever role play you're going to do, you're prepared to do it. Anything else, Ken? Invest in a unicorn mask and something to hit somebody with. Yeah, invest in a unicorn mask. That's our secret. We we fuck with you. And something to hit somebody with. It can be something from the dollar store. Like there's some great pervertibles. And that's one of the things that we should talk about here real quick. 
uh, pervertibles are any object that you can turn into something that you use for BDSM or even sex. And the dollar store has a lot of these. You can get them from all over the place. Things like wire hangers from your closet. If you want to be doing a mommy dearest scene, uh, you could <laughs> something that we know a little bit about. Yep. Uh, you could be uh, getting some of the little uh, paddles with the rubber ball and the string on the end that like you, you whack back and forth and you just remove the string and the ball and you have a perfectly good paddle. Uh, there's like all sorts of cheap rope there. If you just want to try some rope from the beginning, you don't have to get some fancy silk rope that's you know spun by a master rope maker. It can just be something from Walmart. It can be something from the dollar store. Yeah, uh, Rope can come from anywhere just if you're beginning. And then like once you know what you like, then you can get to something a little bit more advanced. And it's the same with your hitting implements. Yeah, some of the things I, I routinely buy from the dollar store, even though, yeah, I could go get the fancy stuff. It's like, hey, I don't like to spend a buck if I don't need to. Wooden clothespins. Oh my goodness, wooden clothespins or nipple clamps, labia clamps, all sorts of things. Um, like Ken said, the paddles, the rope, I get the um, the fuzzy mitt that you wash your car with. It's like a real soft fuzzy mitt. You can use that for sensation play, like a tickly thing, or you can actually use it to spank if, um, let's say the person likes spanking, but not a whole lot of pain or it hurts your hand or whatever. A nice soft thuddy spank with one of those on it is really nice. Uh, From the school supply section, binder clip. Like, oh god and yeah. actually old school rulers like if you can find a ruler and yeah. like somebody can be a naughty nun and somebody can be a naughty student mm-hmm. you can do like that kind of role play bamboo back scratchers hair brushes all that for hitting um eye masks like for sleep masks they have there there's all sorts of different things that you can get right at the dollar store razors followed by icy hot followed by candle wax all of which you can get at the dollar store. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I haven't used the candles at the dollar store. Do they, are they have the right burn? We have some out of the pool. Do they have the right burn uh, so they don't burn your skin? Yeah. Because be careful. If you're doing wax play, do a little research that makes sure that um, you don't use a wax that burns at a high temperature because you actually could like really burn somebody's skin. You have to get certain candles to do wax play. But dollar store ones are cool. Well, the ones that I got at the dollar store, okay. but the dollar store is random. So yeah, that's true. just like that's be true. smart about it. Test it on yourself before you use it on somebody else. If it's too hot for you, it's too hot for them. Yep. Yep. So and binder clips are extra ouchy for nipples. Just to throw oh that God. out there. And labia. Oh my God. And scrotums. Oh, they are so ouchy. There's just so They are many, very ouchy. So there's like, so many things at the dollar store. There's like collars for pet play. Like, and if you do this shit, don't sue us. If you don't like it. <laughs> so the These dollar are just store. suggestions. Use your own common sense. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this was fun. I I hope y'all got some good information. Uh, question askers. There you go. Enjoy. Um, listeners that just happened to stumble upon this or were like, hey, I need some lube too. Hey, I need some tips on humiliation play too. I hope this episode was helpful. And uh, hopefully we'll do another one of these soon. We'll have Q&A number three. So again, if you want to send in your sex questions, you can go ahead and email us at americansexpodcast at gmail.com. Some upcoming uh, themes that we are going to be taking a look at from former questions. We're going to be taking a look in the future at cuckolding, at furries and at grappling and wrestling so those are three suggestions that we had from people that we didn't have time to get to today but we're going to do this again at a future time so if you want to hear about a specific fetish or a specific product please let us know yep all right american fuckers until next week we love you go pee on somebody consensually and slap them in the face bye consensually bye consensually bye (laughs) unicorn masks bye yep bye 
Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.